0: you are listening to This Is Us, Season 1, Episode 12, The Big Day, brought to you by Joanne the Life Coach Podcast Productions, also host of Widowcast Podcast and Weight Coach Podcast, and the author of the book Widowed. listeners wow what an episode we can't wait to get to it i'm joanne and i'm rachel and we are ready to hit it for season one episode 12 of this is us what a difference an awesome director and fabulous writing make on an episode i know right yeah Yeah, I know there were people who kind of disagreed a little bit last week about, you know, who was directing and all that. But I think the difference between episode 11 and episode 12 was like night and day. I totally agree. I thought um, they're in on so many
1: levels in terms of like, just the sensitivity of the the narrative. Also, even just like basic stuff like cohesiveness and being able to understand what was happening without thinking about it shot to shot.
0: Right, right. Um, Our director on this one was Ken Olin, which he's like the main director-producer of the show. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, he directed, I believe he directed the premiere episode Mm -hmm. for This Is Us. Um, so I kind of felt like for sure we were in for a good episode with him at the wheel. Um, so, yes, I loved it. Let's jump into it. There is so much I can't. And first of all, maybe I should clarify a little, Rachel, just for the listeners. I mean, I'm sure you guys kind of beginning to get a feel for who we each are, Rachel and I. Um, I am a certified life coach and weight loss coach who began coaching widows because I became widowed a couple of years ago. And a lot of the focus of my work and the book I wrote is for widows. So this episode had me in tears within 60 seconds of opening. I mean, yeah, um, and you know, I'm pretty good at listening to, Widows and what they're dealing with in their stories because I do it every day and I hold space for them and you know It's not a sob fest, but man, they got to me with this one (laughs) Well, well, plus I think you know, this is a space where
1: you're engaging um, with a work of fiction for you know to experience those emotions and to go on the journey that the writers and the directors and the actors are taking us on. Right, so, right. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the right time to um, just, you know, be there and not have to always be, you know, the coat, have your coach hat on.
0: Right, right. And to their credit, this was so accurate. It really was. Anyway, we'll get into that. Let's hit the open. The open has Jack and Rebecca um, with feeling the baby's kicking inside her Mm. and they get up and dance and it's so sweet. So perfect. And then we see them in the kitchen picking names. They have like the list of names on the refrigerator. Right. You know, and he says, how about Farah?" And she says like Farah Fawcett and they agree. They love it. And Rebecca says she loves being pregnant. I love being pregnant. Then we cut to her (laughs) with the huge tummy and trying to sleep, and she has to pee, and she needs Jack to pull her up off the bed so she can get to the bathroom, and she says, I hate being pregnant. (laughs) I have so been there. I didn't have triplets, but anybody who's gone through pregnancy kind of understands that you might, you can start out that you just love being pregnant and by the time you get to the end, you're like, I hate being pregnant.
1: Yeah, I can not I can only imagine, you know, with triplets that,
0: you know, she can't even get out of the bed on her own. I know, I know. And even with one baby, I I remember having difficulty with those kinds of things. Like, I couldn't reach down and even put on shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And she says her shoes don't fit. Jack says... We'll go buy new ones. But she's just horrible to him. She's hormonal. She's in pain. She's a clumsy mess. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And she forgets that it's Jack's birthday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's just so in her own little cyclone of being uncomfortable that she doesn't even know what day it is.
0: Yeah. Let alone
1: that it's Jack's birthday
0: and you know it kind of took me back i when i was pregnant we were in germany my husband was in the military and stationed there and i can remember the first time i was ever mean to my husband is when i was pregnant mm. and it wasn't mean mean i mean i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't the monster rebecca was But I can remember we were in our little Volkswagen driving from the base back to our little apartment out in this little German village. And we had been arguing about something. I can't even remember now what it was that we were just, I was seething, he was seething, right? And as we're driving back, he says to me, God, Joanne, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm such a jerk sometimes. Right? I mean, he really was kind of a jack kind of guy. You know, I'm sorry I'm such a jerk sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I calmly turned to him and said, I'm sorry that you're such a jerk sometimes, too. And then I felt so bad having said that. But to his credit, as soon as I said it, he howled laughing because nothing like that had ever come out of me before. He just fell apart laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing, thank God, because (laughs) I was just crushed a little later than I'd even said that to him. Yeah. But Um, I mean, pregnancy. my, um.
1: My fiancé and I don't have kids, um, but we've been together for 14 years almost. So um, we've definitely said a choice word or two. And I can definitely think of some of those moments where I said something like like really angrily and seriously, and he just cracks up.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So, you know, that's what it is. In the meantime, Miguel phones and invites Jack out for the day to try to get him away from the craziness saying, Hey, you know, pretty soon you're going to be a dad. You need to get some time away. Yeah. Right. Um, then we go to Dr. K and we see him getting ready for the day and seeing his wife's things. And I think I knew from the moment we opened to that scene because I so did that and felt that with my husband's things, you know, I mean, I got it immediately. Yeah. And, you know, he opens the medicine cabinet and he sees all the pill bottles.
1: Yeah. There, there was some actual, like, show, don't tell in this moment, which as compared to the previous episode, <laughs> um, yeah. and it was
0: just beautifully done. You
1: know, they did it was beautifully it. done.
0: I don't know if everybody got it even before he was in the kitchen talking to her.
1: Oh yeah, I did. And I was,
0: I was immediately like, Oh, that's Joanne. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the pill bottles in the cabinet panning over and you see all her perfumes and her hand mirror and everything. And you know, immediately she's dead and those things haven't been moved since she passed away. Yeah. They still sit exactly where they were when she passed away. Yeah. and then he is in the kitchen and he's getting his cereal and he sits down to the table all by himself. And he's talking to her about the grandkids coming over. Yeah. Um, which is perfect. One of the the questions I get from newer widows that haven't read my book yet or been in a widow's group before, they'll say, you know, I talked to him like out loud. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yes, Of course you do. (laughs) You know, so do I. But you start out thinking, like, I used to picture all those old Hollywood movies where the crazy woman is wandering through the house talking out loud to ghosts. Right. And I thought, is this what I've become? That I just talk out loud to Jim all the time?
1: Yeah. I think somebody who um, knows what it's actually like must have written that
0: Um, Oh, truly, truly.
1: Because I know that's something you always say about um, going through that experience is that you just find yourself talking out loud to them.
0: Right. Right. And I really I mean, even though I had those thoughts, I understood why I was talking out loud to him. And, you know, Jim and I firmly believed that you don't die when you die and your energy doesn't even necessarily leave this planet okay, we don't know, it's all time, space, continuums. Um, So I was comfortable with talking to Jim out loud, but I always had that thought, like if the neighbors look in the window and see me walking around here talking to no one, Mm -hmm. how does that look, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we switch from there to singing a man in confession, He's in the, the confessional both with the priest on the other side. Um, and he's telling the priest that he's having some marital discord. And he talks about when he met his wife, it was a car accident and he got out of his car ready to yell at her. And she got out and he took one look at her. And instead he introduced himself, said, don't worry about this. Can I take you for coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he asked the priest, for um, to pray for his marriage and that he needs a little miracle to save his marriage. Mm. And we see him get into the car marked fire inspector when he leaves. Right. Actually, at the beginning, in the confessional, you see him holding a pack of Marlboros. Right. So, at what point did you realize this was Joe from the firehouse? Um, I think... Uh,
1: not, not immediately, because I hadn't, he hadn't been on screen enough to, right. um, I think it was only at the end of the scene that as soon as, yeah. he got in the fu- obviously, as soon as he got in the fire vehicle, um, right. I was like, and I, and also we knew that, um, this is, uh, the day that the, the twins will later be born, mm-hmm. that they will adopt Randall and all that stuff that we saw in the premiere episode.
0: Right. Right. I think I got it before he went out to get into the, um, the fire inspector car. Yeah. I don't remember my gut. I I don't know if it was having seen him holding the Marlboros that finally triggered it in my head because when, yeah, when I first saw his face on screen, I was like, okay, who's this character? Is this, is this a new guy? Is this a new character? Yeah, And then at some point I cottoned on right away. Oh, this is the fireman. This is the fireman that brings Randall to the hospital.
1: Yeah. He did seem I I feel like he seemed familiar, but I don't know. I can't remember exactly when I figured out sometimes, certainly during the first shot with him because he's going to show up throughout this episode a bunch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to crazy Rebecca, (laughs) crazy Rebecca. She wants to be alone. There are moving boxes everywhere in the house still. She's freaking out. I can totally get this because if he's been renovating the house while they're living in it, hmm. and that's why she hasn't been able to even get stuff unpacked because he's been renovating the house, trying to get it renovated before the babies come. Yeah. I mean, if you remember how much work it needed oh, even yeah. just in the downstairs,
1: right? You can't even imagine. You can't imagine that he would have it finished Already by then.
0: Right, right. And she is freaking out. And this is what's freaking her out. is like she has all these boxes that are still not unpacked. She feels like nothing is ready for the babies. Now she's the size of an elephant and it's hard to move around at all. Right. Right. So she's a little panicked about that too. But she's also real hormonal. And she tells Jack what she needs is to be alone. And he needs to get out. Yeah. Right. You just need to get out because I need to be alone. And Jack is as peeved as we've ever that we ever see him. Mm, Yeah. Like he's talking in that strong, even voice. But he's saying, you know, basically. You're a crazy, unreasonable bitch, but you are also carrying my children. So I am going to do what you need me to do. Right, And I paraphrase he doesn't call her a crazy bitch, but he says, "You know this isn't even a conversation. This isn't even a conversation like what I would need to get from the grocery store. This is Oh you know,
1: I mean, Yeah, yeah. She's,
0: she's Jack.
1: She's just basically ranting at him and having a
0: meltdown. She is. She's total bitch. She even comes out the door and yells at him again before he drives off. Yeah. Something about the bathroom and frogs. I have no idea what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it, what it was either. Yeah. But it was about the bathroom. Um, you see Jack in the car. And I loved this. He reaches into his glove box and he lights a lighter and starts talking to God. Hmm. Did you get that? It's like, you know, he makes the flame and talks to the flame.
1: No, I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't make the connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He lights this lighter to talk to God about this. And that's when she comes back out the door and yells at him about the bathroom. Yeah. and He drives off. She goes back inside. She sees her own face in the toaster, looks at herself. Oh God, I'm a monster. You know, thinking of her size and being bloated and how much longer for these babies to come out. She goes to the calendar And that's when she sees it's Jack's birthday. Right. And she's horrified at herself. She says, God, I am a monster. (laughs) Right? She realizes what she's done. Yeah. Um, Then we see Dr. K in the grocery store buying sugary cereal for the grandkids. Um, And he runs into a female friend who is also widowed. Mm-hmm. And she inquires how he's doing. Um, they obviously have great repartee b- between the two of them. Right. Right. Something about old, older. I can't remember what they said, but it was pretty cute.
1: Yeah. Um. And and there's just something Im- immediately. I think this actress was well cast because there's something immediately that I thought was just so, like, charming and endearing about her.
0: Mm-hmm yeah truly and as they both walk off she turns around and says you know come on over for a homemade dinner i would love to make you dinner if you just need someone to talk to or you just want to get out of the house kind of thing Um, which is the perfect offer to make i mean whether he was you know male female or two women who are widowed that's the perfect offer You say, hey, if you you need some company some evening, let me know. I would love to cook you dinner. Come on over. Yeah. Um, The widows have to reach out to each other. Um, But his answer is that he is always on call. You know, he's wearing that beeper and babies like to come at dinner time. Right. So he's really just making excuses to not connect with her. Totally. It's clear he's just not ready for that.
1: Yeah. It's like... Um it seems like he's still at that stage where um like you can see that he like enjoys this woman's company like that he he you know it, not necessarily even saying anything remotely romantic um yeah. but just that that he likes her um and um but also that he might still be in a place where Um, the idea of doing something that would actually make him happy feels scary. Like he's sort of betraying his uh, wife or something like that.
0: Yeah. 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 He's still, you know, really in a state of mourning and sadness over her. So it would feel really unnatural to him to accept the dinner invitation from another woman. Then, then, Joe, the fireman, is back home. And I'm going to jump back and forth because we've kind of got real timing with all this now. Because everything kind of comes together, right? Yeah. Uh, Joe is home and he's talking to his wife. And he tells her that the priest is going to put them in his prayers. And he tells her that he actually asked Father Williams to save their marriage, to pray to save their marriage. His wife is pretty terse about this. Right. She's like, well, yeah, that'll help. You know, (laughs) something like that. And
1: she doesn't seem to be having those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, plus like, I wonder how it feels to her, especially, you know, if they're both very active there in their Catholic church, that he's just told father Williams that their marriage is in trouble. Right. Even though it's in the, the privacy of the confessional, now it's like, oh, Father Williams now knows that, you know, we're having trouble. Right. That's That's got to be a little uncomfortable. That's got to almost feel a little like being betrayed, that he would tell the priest.
1: Yeah. Although I wondered how um, involved she actually might be. Because um, it didn't seem like, like it seemed like there was a little eye roll about church, or at least maybe that's just what I interpreted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Anyway, they have this conversation, and he says, I, I need to go to the station. And he leaves to head to the station. Right. Um, then we see Jack with Miguel, who's wanting to introduce him to golf. <laughs> right. Saying, give her the space she needs. There's plenty of time for you to become a martyr. Right? Yeah. And Jack says, but, you know, I don't like golf. It's not my thing. And Miguel says, I don't like golf either. It doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: Right. Right. I thought that that was kind of funny. It was kind of
0: funny, too. I thought that was funny, too. And I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead because we do later see him in the shop at the golf course with Miguel. Yeah. Right. And a couple of others of their buddies were there. And Miguel is saying for his birthday, we're getting Jack his first set of golf clubs right? His buddies tell him how golf will get him away from the house after the kids have arrived to have a little sanity, right? It's where you can be that she's not telling you that you're holding the baby wrong or that you're feeding the baby wrong. (laughs) Because the truth is you are even more hormonal after you have the baby than you were before it was born. Right. Okay. For a little while, your hormones are all over the place. So I could see where these guys were probably a little bit verbally abused, and their oh wife, yeah, yeah, and their wife worrying about you know how they were holding the baby and constantly yeah. correcting them. Uh, but, right. But especially with the first one. Right. Right. So golf has become their refuge. Like if they can once a week all get together on the golf course. It gives their wife space, which she's probably really grateful that they go play golf for a couple hours on Saturday. You know, it gives her a couple hours to deal with the babies in the house without the husband underfoot. I don't know. But Jack says he's just thinking about Rebecca. And that even though she's at her absolute worst, he still doesn't want to escape her. He actually wants to freeze time and get a little bit more. Of her, yeah. of his kids after they're born, so he says he's going to buy himself a present, but it's not there at the golf shop. Right. And as he leaves, one of the guys says, "That guy's going to make us look bad." Right. Which I right. thought was pretty humorous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth too. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It. It. It's definitely. You know, it takes a certain kind of man, especially to say that kind of stuff in front of all the guys.
0: Right. Right. To say, yeah, all I think about is my wife and I still want to be there with her, even though she's Mm -hmm. at the worst she has ever been. She's at her absolute worst. I still want to be there for her. Yeah. Which is so Jack, you know, (laughs) really is so Jack, then we see Rebecca big as a house. Searching for the cookbook through the boxes to look up cake ingredients and how to make a cake. And she calls her girlfriend, Shelly, and leaves this long, desperate message on her recording machine. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, She doesn't... yeah, all about how terrible she is and how she has to
1: do something. I like have she just to make this me.
0: cake. I have to make this uh-huh. cake and I don't have the ingredients. Right? Yeah. So then we see her. She grabs a pair of Jack's flip-flops and she duct tapes them onto her feet so she can walk up to the corner store. Yeah. And I have to hand it to to her, the Mandy Moore because... She had that pregnant walk down perfect. When you see mm-hmm. her walking down the street with kind of duck feet angled out and all belly in front. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. She she nailed it. You you really believed for sure that, you know, she was hugely pregnant. Oh, it
0: made me laugh because I think I walked just like that. But I went yeah. towards the end. Um, then we have that hilarious exchange in the liquor store with the owner that the closest store that she can go to is a liquor store. And he's like, lady, this is a liquor store. She gives him this (laughs) list of ingredients. Like I need chocolate and I need flour and I need sugar. Um, Yeah. She ends up with a banana muffin and a whole bunch of Twinkies that she can squeeze out for frosting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On her. I I thought
1: she was going to try and get him to drive her to another store. (laughs) What? I thought she was gonna try and get the guy to drive her to another store when she got to that moment where she was like, "Listen, buddy."
0: Yeah. Oh, that would have been good, huh? (laughs) Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Um,
1: but but I think the way they went was very funny, and it kind of reminded me of um their Thanksgiving meal that they had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. And you know, in in the early days being together there are so many times like that because yeah. I can remember times like that when I was like approaching my due date big as a house I lived in this little village in the middle of the black forest a very mm-hmm. isolated little village so most people in the village did not speak English and I didn't speak German mm. I had a translation book so, if I needed to go buy something locally, I would sit down with my book and I would look up the German words for words like white bread. Mm-hmm. Right? And how much does that cost? Yeah. You know, I need this. So, I would like carefully write down the words. I would probably speak them in horrible syntax. I'm sure I sounded like this totally ignorant foreigner because. German syntax is so different from English syntax and how sentences are structured. Yeah. But that was just it. And I can remember how many times that I wanted to do something like that, like get Kevin something for his birthday, and mm-hmm. do the pregnant walk down the hill into the village, and with my horrible German trying to ask for help, right? For what I needed. Yeah. 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 Um, probably made it all the more endearing. Someday I'll be able to look back on that and think that maybe still yeah. not yet.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, Probably they were, probably they were just like, oh, look how hard this, this, you know, super pregnant lady who doesn't speak a word of German is trying.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, on her way out of the store, she sees a Steeler's terrible towel and she buys right. it for Jack for his birthday. Right. Right. Then we are back with Dr. K and his son and daughter-in-law at his house. And his son is trying to tell him it's time to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. He is hinting by talking about different movies and new movies that are out. And this would be a great movie for you to see. Is there someone you might want to take to see a movie? Right. Right. Dr. K is like my son is about as I can't remember what he said about as subtle as elephant farts or something like that. Yeah. 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 It was some
1: it was something like that for sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, So he gets his daughter and law to start telling him about the movie. Then we see he's walking through and he finds them whispering in the kitchen. and he he confronts his son like you know this is my house if you got something to say in my house i want to hear it right and his son is saying look we miss her too but it's been 14 months they tell him you're still a young man mom is gone and yeah dr k is as angry as we've ever seen dr k yeah he's saying you don't have to tell me mom is gone i buried her peter I was married to her for 53 years and I buried her. I'll never move on. So stop asking me. She was my wife. She was my life. I love you too. But if you keep telling me to move on, you will not be welcome in our house. Yeah. Yeah. Which is perfect. He doesn't call it his house. He still calls it our house. Right. Which I did too for quite a long time. And 14 months to people on outside of this. That haven't experienced what it is may seem like a long time. Like why isn't this person like getting on with their life now? Yeah. But fourteen and, fourteen months is nothing.
1: Right. Well, especially in the compared to fifty-three years. Right. Um and it's it's interesting too because you can see that his son is making the mistake of comparing his grief about his mother To his father's grief about his wife.
0: Yep. Right. Which is really not the same. Really not the same. And 14 months, 53 years, even after 20 years, probably even after five years, still not long enough. Yeah. Um, And there's so much pressure that is put on a widow to move on. Mm -hmm. There's pressure put on a widow to get back to work depending on how much time your employer will let you have away from work. Right. And whatever that is, I can guarantee you it's not long enough. Yeah. Okay. For sure. um, the widow clients I've had that have been able to take the time they need, the, the time they want to be away from work, still feel that peer pressure. Like, I feel like the people at my job think I should be fine and back to work now. I had a widow tell me this after three weeks after her husband died.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah,
0: that she really felt like they were all thinking she needed to just get over it and come back to work. Um, yeah. And I had someone within months after Jim dying, I mean, literally like maybe four or five months after he passed, asked me why I wasn't dating yet. Like, you know, oh. you're a beautiful woman. You shouldn't be sitting at home. And I was, you know, I was really patient with them. It was like, thank you. Thank you for thinking that I am this beautiful, vibrant woman that should be out dating. But it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, it's like you can see on the one hand where um, they they do actually mean well. Mm -hmm. um, But um, there's also like an expectation around. Um, the way that one particular person is going to handle their grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you just kind of never know. Like sometimes like somebody might feel kind of relieved at the end of things and like, or like they may have emotions that don't seem correct. Right. Um, But like, it's not, it's not for other people to decide how they should feel.
0: It's not for other people to decide. And even the widow that feels some relief. Yeah. At the death of her spouse. She's still not going to be ready to think about other people. Not Total. for maybe a couple years. You know, <laughs> seriously, because there is so much else that goes along with it. Yeah. Anyway, we go back. We see Rebecca sitting in the nursery, talking to the triplets, which is probably one of the most beautiful scenes, right? Mm-hmm. She's sitting back in that rocking chair, big belly, and tell us them how much they're going to love their dad like wait until you meet your dad
1: yeah yeah it was- and it, it's one of those moments where like sometimes we kind of can forget can be like why did jack pick her again <laughs> right. um, and i know some of the some of the other viewers feel that way um some of them hate rebecca yeah um yeah. but um this is one of those moments where we get to kind of remember, like, what it is that he sees in her and why he loves her so much. Right,
0: right. And she is terrific. I mean, she understood how awful she had been to Jack that morning. She did everything she could to try to make it be a birthday for him, even though she could barely move, right? And I mean, seriously, barely move. Because if if with one baby in the last month of pregnancy, I could barely move, I can only... Imagine what it's like when you're carrying triplets yeah okay that's that's pretty awesome but the most beautiful part is we see jack sneaking in behind her with a video camera Mm -hmm. which clearly this is the present he bought himself for his birthday because he said he wanted to freeze time to get more of it yeah yeah and this was his way of being able to freeze time and um she sees him with the video camera, puts her hands up. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't film me now. He laughs have, about the t- we, um oh,
1: Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But I, I was just wondering, I felt like we had seen this video camera in the future. um, Like when in like some of the eight year old
0: timelines. But I'm trying to think of when. When they were in the cabin. Ah, uh, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. Possible? That's possible. A... No, they were watching a movie in the cabin, so it wasn't the video. But you're right; they've there was There's a scene some... in the future with them sitting around watching something else on video. Yeah, yeah. So I liked that
1: connectivity of like, and I feel oh, oh, you know what it is? It's when it's when the big three go to the cabin. Where when that when Kevin has that fight with Olivia in that episode, right? That's and were right. Watching the family movies up there, yeah, that's right. that's when we have the callback to the. I was trying to remember what I've been trying to remember when it was. So we so now we know the story behind the camera, um and and how that all got started. So I just thought that was cool. Right,
0: right. She tells Jack that she's has the worst gift for him and the world's worst birthday cupcake down in the kitchen Uh, Mm -hmm. he laughs about it he laughs about it he says the terrible towel is a perfect birthday present and he wants the dance Mm -hmm. apparently the tradition for his birthday Um, he cons her into it she tells him I'll meet you in the bedroom in five minutes strip down to your birthday suit Right, right, and we know what's coming next, right? Um, yeah. We are back at the firehouse when Joe finds the abandoned baby, and we see Randall lurking around by the dumpster, like making sure someone f- finds his son. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, on second watch, look more closely to see if he's actually crying or not, and I don't think he was crying, but he sure wasn't
1: good. Yeah, he definitely seemed really nervous. Yeah, um, I think in the future he actually kind of doesn't
0: totally remember what he did with Randall. That's right. He doesn't remember taking the baby to the to the firehouse. Right. So he's probably high. Yeah. The, yeah pretty
1: high. And um, well, pretty disoriented. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he does seem to be like like almost like. Like, should I go and grab him back? Like kind of like second guessing or waffling on the distance. Or
0: at least staying there long enough to make sure that somebody comes. Because remember, he rings the bell at the station. That's why they come to the door. So he's making sure somebody comes and finds the baby. He's not going to take off until he knows someone has him, which, you know, that goes a long way saying what his what William's character is even so high that he's not going to remember doing this later he at least right. makes sure that someone picks the kid up before he splits right right yeah and when he does hear Joe with the baby he splits quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. right Joe ends yeah. up taking the baby home thinking this is the miracle that he prayed for this to right. save his marriage um, yeah And his wife is not happy with this. She's not having it. It's like, this is not our baby. And it becomes clear they cannot have kids, which may be one of the things that has really broken down communication between them. Yeah. Um, And she tells him he needs to get the baby to the hospital before he's arrested. Mm -hmm. Right? Saying a baby is not going to fix us. And she's probably right about that.
1: He probably is, and it is like sort of like, you know, you're like, what are you thinking, dude? Um, But then at the same time, it's like you can just see he's so desperate for anything that's going to make it work.
0: Right. Well, also, he just prayed for and asked for a miracle, and then he finds this baby, so you know, to him, it could be like this baby was sent from God to save my marriage. Right? Right. Yeah. Instead, what we get is Jack stripping down? yes, <laughs> which we got some great flashes. I know the fans, at least the fans in the Facebook group loved it um,
1: yeah every- everybody loves milo yeah. i i've been i've I used to watch Heroes. I used to be big into that show at that time, and I always thought he was really sexy back then too, so. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> So Jack strips down. We see him with the terrible towel across his lap. Becca is in the bathroom. She's obviously still in a lot of discomfort, but she puts her lingerie bra on over her Mm T-shirt. And we hit the scene that we saw in the premiere. Right. Right. Where she comes out to do the birthday dance for him. Yeah. We see Dr. K at his wife's grave site. He's talking to her about their son, Mm -hmm. saying, I love that boy, but my God. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, he is being a bit of an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then he talks to her about seeing her pills every morning in the cabinet. And he begins to break down saying, I cannot keep doing this without you anymore, and I'm not sure I want to. Yeah. God, I miss you. And I think what I clearly got from that was his intention to commit suicide.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I thought from the moment he showed the pills. Yeah.
0: He's a physician. He knows which of her pills he could take and how many of them will. Slip him straight into death, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and you kind of get this because when he starts talk before he talks to her about that part, he says, "Now, don't be mad at me." Yeah, don't be. Mad yeah, at me. well,
1: and it's almost like even though he talks to her all the time, he's been hiding this thought from her, right? Um, like, like as if like you would do, you know, with your partner when they're still alive. Yeah. Um, You know, having, having thoughts, you know, especially, you know, dark ones that you're not sure that you should share with them yeah, uh, yeah. or that, you know, they'd be disappointed in you.
0: I think he's Uh even been hiding this thought from himself.
1: Yeah. Even though it
0: crosses his mind every morning. Yeah. He's never crystallized it in his mind that he really does not want to continue to try to go on without her. Yeah. Okay. Um, And now he's at that point. Maybe a result of suddenly, you know, his son trying to push him to get over it. And it's more than he can face.
1: Yeah. And just uh, maybe having that push, like he did think, well, you know, I haven't gotten over it in 14 months. And it really feels like I'm never, ever, ever going to get over it. Yeah.
0: He feels like he doesn't want to be over it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And he tells her, God, I miss you. And the beeper goes off. Presumably the birth of the babies. And he says, we'll finish this conversation another time. Yeah. Duty. calls. yeah,
1: it's interesting because, um, we kind of get like that other perspective look at what this moment, um, like the, you know, this, his, his experience with Jack and Rebecca, um, meant, must've meant for him because we know where he goes
0: in the future. Right. Right. And you know, it's not rare for a widow or a widower to become suicidal. It's extremely common. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely common for people to just want to follow their spouse into death.
1: Right. I mean, it, it sort of makes sense in Mm in a way. Um, I think, you know, as much as we know, like, it's possibility, um, there's that, um, like, like, you know, we don't, in a way, we don't, like, you can't ever really imagine, like, what life is going to be like when they're gone and you're still going. Right. Like, you don't really conceptualize that part of
0: life. Yeah. And it just never even becomes real until it happens, too. Yeah. And even if you think about it in advance... And think that you're going to be fine with it, that you're prepared for it. Right. You're not. <laughs> you're not. Total. So at the hospital, we see Dr. K come in and he's asking the nurse at the station and she's kind of filling him in, you know, the this family. And, you know, she's expecting triplets. And he says, how's the mental state? And she says, oh, she seems to be handling it very well. And he said, I meant the husband. Uh, right. <laughs> right I don't know if you caught that I meant the husband he goes in to talk to them and we kind of pick up on the premiere thread again right yeah where yeah you know he walks into the room says a couple of sentences and then all of a sudden it kind of fades out because it's exactly what we saw in the premiere from right. that point on and at the same time we now see Joe leave his house to take the orphaned baby to the hospital Mm -hmm. then they go into showing us kind of a synopsis of scenes that we saw before in the premiere. Right. uh, You know, them losing the baby. Dr. K is talking to Jack. He's talking about taking life's sourest lemon. We see Jack telling Rebecca, which was particularly heartbreaking because she said, that's not true. That's not true. You're lying to me. That's not true. Uh, and then we see Jack at the nursery meeting Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jack is back in the room with Rebecca and she's saying, you know, I felt all of them, all of them kicking. I feel like we were meant to have three. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jack is about to tell her about the third baby. He says to her, what if we were still meant to have three? Right. Now is where we start to see all the effects that the birth of the big three had on everybody's lives because we see Joe comes home to his wife and she says, you know what? You're a good man. You're a good man. We've been awful lately and you find an abandoned baby and your first thought is to bring him home to try and repair us. And he said, I know it was dumb of me. And she says, but also sweet. I just Mm -hmm. wish we could start over. Go back to that first day and do it all fresh. And he says, that's all I want to do. I want to start over. So she stands up, shakes his hand, says, hi, I'm Samantha. Don't worry about what happened back there. Can I take you for a cup of coffee? Oh, Mm -hmm. makes me tear up right now thinking about it. Yeah. So finding the baby at the station actually did end up saving Joe's marriage. Right. It, just the way he thought. Right. But it was the miracle that saved the marriage.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Dr. K finds out they're thinking about adopting the fire station baby. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it, it was just interesting there, just the way that they wrote this. I wonder if we're going to see any more of... Um, of that pair that we got to know in this episode or Joe and his or, wife.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I think we're kind of done with them in the storyline unless they're going to turn up in current time.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess it just sort of thematically fits with the show in the sense that it really is a show about relationships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Dr. Anyway. K goes home. We see the medical equipment being removed from the, house, mm-hmm. the company that you rent that stuff from taking it back. Right. He's eating breakfast. He's talking again to his dead wife. Told right. her, Tells her that I told a young man about the baby yesterday, meaning the baby that Dr. K and his wife lost. Yes. And saying, um, and I gave him some advice. He may have actually listened to me about taking the worst thing that ever happened to him in his life. Yeah. And then he stops and says, there isn't a minute that goes by that I don't think of you. I hope this is what you would want me to do. I expect it is. And you see him. He's clearing out all of her things. He's clearing out all the medicine from the medicine cabinet. And we see him having dinner with the widowed friend. Yeah. So we know that now, it's just what you said, you know, when he was talking to his wife at the gravesite and he was suicidal and the beeper went off it kind of interrupted that thought and then being at the hospital with Jack and Mm -hmm. the advice he gave to Jack and he saw that Jack actually took it. And Dr. K is taking his own advice. Now it's totally changed his direction. If the babies hadn't been born right then, Dr. K may have committed suicide.
1: Right. And, um, it's just one of those beautiful moments where, um, you know, he kind of refines his own purpose and will to live mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of um, a moment of being of service to somebody else. Right,
0: right. And as they were kind of going over, showing him taking her clothes out of the closet and the medicine out of the cabinet and all that, we could hear the voiceover of him saying to Jack, Take life's sourest lemon and make something mm-hmm. resembling lemonade. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's actually he's ruminating his own advice that for him at this point in time, losing his wife was truly life's sourest lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get to see current time. It's everyone's birthday. I mean, it indicates it's Jack's birthday. This is his birthday treat. But we also know it's it's the big three's birthday, too, because they all have their birthday on the same day.
1: Right. Or like they're it's their eight year old selves. Right.
0: And they're watching the film that Jack took of Rebecca on the day they were born. Right. Which I guess has become his birthday tradition for himself and for them. They watch this film. Yeah. You know, and the kids are saying, what are you saying, mommy? And she doesn't really tell them. But as Jack reaches out and takes her hand in the film, we see him reach across the projector and take her hand in real time. Mm -hmm. such a connection
1: yeah yeah it's sort of a beautiful moment it's one of the things that people have come to love about this show Mm -hmm. showing those sort of moments of connection and those like sort of significant motifs throughout our lives oh
0: absolutely and you know that whole voiceover of dr k at the end like that still talking about it um And I have to say, for this episode, usually, I mean, I got the big goosebumps at the end. There were a couple Mm -hmm. times during it, I got the the goosebumps. But this episode, I had like three big goosebump moments before we even got to the opening credits. Right. You know, I mean, truly, it was like, bam, bam, bam. And then we get to the opening credits and it's like the show is just starting. And I was already one big goosebump and crying. Yeah. (laughs) God. Well,
1: I think it it just, this episode and it's no surprise um, based on who directed it. um, But I think this episode really brought us back to um, that particular mechanism. That's so interesting about this show, which is the way that it uses time to kind of, give us a different perspective on things. Yeah. Um, and so like when things, because things are nonlinear in this show, um, we have that ability to, you know, view things that happened, you know, before things that we already know happened or at, you know, after things that we know happened and to um, make those connections and see the long lasting effects of these particular moments in time.
0: I agree. I agree. I'm looking now at, we did get a couple of feedback notes. Mm, Finally, you guys email feedback to us. Even after the episode, before we have a chance to podcast it, we would love to share your thoughts. Because I know there were a lot of thoughts out there. Um, Thoughts sometimes that don't always agree with what I think or what Rachel thinks, but we want to hear it. We want to hear it. I heard from Deborah um, about the director, not on this episode, but on the last episode, where we had both agreed that we thought that the directing and the writing was lacking in the episode. Mm-hmm. And she said he did indeed do some of the directing on 30 something. Which I didn't see when I checked him, I know he acted on thirty something, but she said he did some of the directing, and um then Deborah wrote back and said, Yes, some of the directing shots I didn't like it was but it was the writing that didn't work for me in this episode, so Deborah yeah. really felt it was the writing on episode eleven.
1: That I kind of agreed, or at least I thought there were some really poor performances too, but I didn't think it was the actors, based on the evidence that we've seen from some of these actors in you know other episodes Mm -hmm. we know that they can pull it out you know when the writing's there and when the directing's there right i think it's probably a combination of the two i think
0: it's a combination of the two because you're right they're tremendous actors and actors really you know they're taking direction from the director on how they're going to interpret the line how they're going to deliver the line they have Mm -hmm. some input themselves but a lot comes from the director too Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. The director will even say, you know, like, they'll read the line back to the actor if they don't like how they did it. um, Or at least that that's they should and that's part of it um, is like, you know, and say, you know, emphasize this or say it as if you're that, Um, you know, they're kind of setting the emotional tone and the impact of some of the lines too. Um, so, you know, they're not micromanaging the actor, but they are trying to get a specific performance out of them and not just, you know, you know, okay, say the lines, do whatever. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Or like, they'll make suggestions. What if you looked over at her right then? Or like stuff like that. Um, so I do think some of that was off and also... Um, the writing doesn't exactly explain the confusion of some of the cuts to tell the story, because some of that's just all camera work and like the way that the scenes are put together. I mean, that could be editing, too. It's not always the director. But again, you know, the director is kind of at the um, helm of the ship, so to right, speak. Right,
0: right. And, you know, you get the director's cut. He gets to look that over the director also gives direction on how those scenes are going to be brought together right and what's going to end up on the editing room floor
1: right yeah um so I did think there was some terrible writing like some at some point somehow somewhere a writer wrote down some of those horrible scenes where Toby was being very un-Toby-ish and and sort of creepy like somebody wrote those lines down on paper yeah um but um so so they're certainly at fault too but the directing also was not great
0: right right I I agree I agree now you had some feedback from your family really on um, episode 8 and 9 I think it was
1: yeah so um uh, <laughs> it's funny because she, she doesn't want me to say who it is but one of my family members um, is uh, adopted um, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know a really interesting um sort of situation because um she didn't know for sure that she was adopted until a few years ago wow. because at that time when she was adopted it was common for the parents to act like that was their baby um and and not tell not tell the child that they weren't their natural born child. Right, right. So, right. So she had this experience almost as an adult of like um, experiencing some of what uh, Randall is going through and just wanting so much to like, you know, of like looking around at your family members being like, none of these people resemble me. And just having that um, feeling of wanting to know, you know, where you came from. Um, you know, sticking out his tongue at strangers and stuff. Yeah. She just felt like, um, I don't know. I think she, I I forget exactly what we were saying that she disagreed with. But right. um,
0: and I think she had said that the adoptive mom gave Randall a family and good memories. And would William have been able to do that for Randall?
1: Right. Right. So I think she was just. Very much, you know, seeing it from personal experience from all different sides of the equation. And that was how she had read that scene when um in the episode when Randall finds out or like is dealing with the fallout of finding out that um, Rebecca knew his birth father the whole time. Right,
0: right. Which actually come to think of it. And, you know, you brought up the point that this family member was adopted in an era when it was natural for the parents to not tell the child that they were adopted right okay not to tell anyone that they were adopted it was pretty progressive of Jack and Rebecca I mean I guess it was kind of an obvious thing too with Randall being black that you know they couldn't exactly right. cover they weren't it pretend. up Yeah, Yeah, there was no pretending with that. So he really was raised with a very different view and atmosphere in the fact that he knew from the beginning that he was adopted and he was definitely not the same as the other family members. I remember I made a note about the feedback saying um, that not all the memories with the big three were great for him. Right. Right. Remember there's the grandma... And grandpa on Rebecca's side that always said, OK, now we want to picture with just the twins.
1: Yeah. And- well, um, yeah, I mean, for for sure, there were definitely parts of it that yeah. were really painful. And also, you know, like maybe he doesn't even he didn't even know any other kids who like were adopted and knew they were adopted um, so not only is he you know the only black kid like in school or whatever, or like one of just a few black kids in school, yeah um nobody else is adopted um right. so and, and, he, and, and he
0: you know his, at school
1: some of his family even doesn't treat him like you know he's really a part of the family, and so not all of it is great, that said, you know especially we do see later. Um, once Randall is a little bit older that, you know, William has kind of pulled himself together, but you know, there, there is that like devil's advocate position of, you know, well, what if William had kept him at the state he was in when he dropped him off at the firehouse? Right.
0: right. Life, life was clearly not going to be as comfortable.
1: Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think I think there could have been some very traumatic moments during that um, early stage. And who knows um, whether with the added burden of taking care of him, that like whether William would have been able to kind of focus on himself and pull himself together in the same way.
0: Yeah, true. True. We have one more feedback. Um, This is kind of some generalized feedback, and I found this really interesting. Rachel, I hadn't read this to you yet. So this is new for you to hear too. Um, the sender is Fiorella. I hope I'm saying that right, Fiorella. She wanted to say, first of all, she wanted to say that she just found our podcast and is truly enjoying it. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's, it says it's very insightful and goes deeper into all the characters and story arcs on the show. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I know. Thank you, Fiorella. She then goes on to say, on the issue with Miguel, I completely agree and understand from Rebecca's perspective. You explained it beautifully. But the issue that people have with it has to do mostly with the fact that we all see Jack and Rebecca as our parents. And the writers dropped this bomb onto us in the second episode way too soon although they were looking for this reaction from the audience, it's uncomfortable Mm. and will be for a long time, especially because we see not only how good, but how extraordinary Jack is like kids. We cannot see someone else in Jack's place. That's our dad. It feels like we are saying you are not my father to Miguel. Please stop trying. Yeah. This has yeah. nothing to do with Rebecca remarrying or with Miguel himself. We don't know how they got there and that's fine. Get, give everybody some time. I was deeply bothered with Miguel asking for the pilgrim hat. It didn't feel right that it wasn't just a tradition. That was Jack's hat. Mm. Right? The tradition belongs to Jack, his kids, and their kids. It's not just a Thanksgiving tradition. He could have picked for a different tradition to be included. Right now, Miguel doesn't feel earnest to me. He hasn't really done anything to make me like him or dislike him. It feels like he's just there while we all fall in love with Jack every week. We love Jack, not because he's perfect, but because he's so human and really wants to be the best husband and father. He's already earnest in my eyes. Top-notch dad. She goes on to say, I have some issues with the present Rebecca, but they are issues on her own cause. I still don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. Plus, I like her more when Jack is around. They are both at their best together and you can see Jack was truly in love with her or that Jack was truly the love of her life. She lights mm. up around him. Bottom line, I don't mind Rebecca and gal are married now as long as it makes sense in the story and doesn't destroy all the good things we've seen so far. Parents have the right to do whatever is better for them, but it's still super awkward. Sorry for the long post. I'm just glad I can have a place to discuss the show where it's nice and safe. Keep up the good work. Thank you, oh, Fiorella. Yeah, that's awesome. That is um, awesome. It's great feedback. Are you a little long? <laughs> you're right. A little long. <laughs> but that's yeah, fine. You're here,
1: you're here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what she's saying and, I think that's one of the beautiful things about this show is the way it kind of like forces us into a perspective um, so that we can experience some of these experiences as if, you know, we were a member of this
0: family. Right, right. I really loved that, that she said the fact is we all see Jack and Rebecca as our parents. Jack is like the father archetype for the viewer. Yeah. And they want us to feel uncomfortable and awkward about Miguel because if we were Rebecca's kids, we would feel a little awkward about that when she first starts seeing Miguel that she remarries and she marries their dad's friend. That's going to feel awkward. So the writers have made us feel awkward with it.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Um I think um that's really one of the reasons why, you know, as as human beings, we spend time, you know, doing stuff like watching This Is Us at its best. Um, entertainment is there not just to be amusing, but also to put us in somebody else's shoes. And, like, I've never had the experience of having my dad die and, you know, my mom remarry one of his really close friends. Yeah. But um, through, you know, this show, I can kind of experience um, the, the, um, authentic emotional response of being in that situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize how well the writers had done that until I read Fiorella's feedback. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Great catch. great. Great catch Fiorella. We would love to hear from all of you again and more of you. If you have feedback after watching any of these episodes or even feedback for our podcast itself after listening, email joanne at com, J-O-A-N-N, no E, joanne at com, And then we will share your feedback on our next episode. Very exciting. Really exciting. Oh, and the exciting news for the show is being signed for two more seasons.
1: Oh, yes. Did you see the video of the cast getting the news? That was fun.
0: Yes, it was fun. They were so excited. Can you imagine being an actor and you don't know if you're going to work more than 18 weeks? You, know? <laughs> like, yes. if you get hired in a job and you know, you know that, you know, it could be for only 18 weeks. It could be for 10 years. You really don't know.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, that was a really fun moment to watch to be able to watch them find out that they were going to be and I think they all love working on the show too. So getting the news that this work you've been doing for a little while that you love is going to be something that you're going to go on for two more seasons. I mean, that is huge. Almost nothing gets two more seasons straight off the bat. Right,
0: right. And for sure, you're right. Nobody rolled their eyes about it. They were all happy. They Mm -hmm. all lit up. Um, I was happy because I immediately said, hey, we've got two more years with this podcast. Right? (laughs) Right? It's like, wow, we're not going to be a one-season wonder podcast here sitting out in iTunes land. We get two more years to podcast this and see how the show develops. So I find that exciting, too. Me, too. Anyway... It's been a great episode. I look forward to Tuesday night again. I can't wait to see what we get next.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um I'm I am hoping that we're going to move the present day plot forward again because I'm eager to see where we're going with that and it looked like from the preview that we are.
0: Are we? I didn't I didn't pay attention to the preview and I haven't watched any of the ads or preview trailers. So um that's great that it's coming back to present day. Yeah, I kind of... Yeah. I And I think after this episode that kind of relived all of that, the, the things that happened even before the premiere started, we get all that backstory that we really need to come back to the present on the next episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, just to keep, you know, the forward momentum going yeah. in the storyline of the show. But but I think we are, we're going to see this new character who a lot of people were thinking, you know, when we were all thinking that Toby was dead um, was going to be Kate's new love interest. I think we're going to see this guy in this episode. Oh, good. Um, and so some new developments, some new characters. I'm, I'm excited. That'll
0: be interesting. Oh, and somebody else brought up the question. If the show's renewed for two more seasons, how many more weeks really does Milo get?
1: Right. <laughs> but, oh, we're always going to go back into the past. He's not alive in the current. Right. Story. I think so I
0: think we have plenty of flashback to keep him around for us. So that'll be yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are way over an hour's time on this podcast. So let's wrap it up, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you for joining me again this week. Oh,
1: it's my pleasure as always.
0: Thank you. And thank you listeners for joining us again this week and share this with your friends. Let's get as many people jumping onto this podcast to listen as possible, because then iTunes will show it to even more people. Um, Awesome. And it's always fun. Then you can not only discuss the show with your friends, you can discuss our podcast recap with your friends. How much fun is that? So until next week, keep it real, people. Because this is us.